0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to my podcast on classroom management. I'd like to introduce myself and talk about why classroom management is important and what I'll be offering to you in my talks about classroom management. I believe that classroom management is something that a teacher cultivates and builds. It's not something that happens to them and it's not something that should be actually work. Yes, it is, it is hard work, and it is something that you work at, but cultivating classroom management means looking at what you believe in, why you believe in it, how you believe in it, and why you chose to believe in kids in the first place. First, here's a little bit about my background. I'm a long-term educator. I've been an educator for over 30 years. It's hard for me to believe it, and it's hard for me to think about that. I didn't start out as a uh, teacher. I started out in the field of art, and I uh, had my first art job at the Brooklyn Museum. It was a good job, and everybody would feel Anybody would feel privileged to work at the Brooklyn Museum, but I felt very bored and I was ready to start something where I would be working with people. So I happened to stumble upon a relationship with a guy I was dating and he started talking to me about his background and his dyslexia. And many things started to come together, um, including my parents telling me I should be a teacher. And I thought to myself, this isn't a good idea. teachers were getting laid off at the time. There weren't any jobs. And the more I talked to the guy I was dating, his name was George, the more I discovered that I was really fascinated by this idea of dyslexia. So I decided to start investigating it. And I f- I was walking through a bookstore in downtown Brooklyn, a used bookstore, and I found a beat-up textbook. And I bought it. And it probably was about 4 or 5 dollars at the time. I couldn't put it down. So I decided maybe I should go back to Brooklyn College and take some courses, and I did. I started to take courses in secondary education. And I took one course, and they had me going to a school and working with urban students, and I loved it. But being young and impulsive, I met somebody in a bar, and they said, Why don't you do some freelance work for me? And it kind of never materialized, but more work materialized, and I got distracted. And I didn't go back to teaching until I saw an ad in the paper for a uh, weekend job as a special ed counselor. And on the first day of the job, I was working with some severely uh, disabled students. They were older students, older adults. And uh, some of them were fairly, um, they, they were fairly rough, and they would um, tantrum, and they would scream, and they would um, get physical And I thought this was all quite fascinating. So I decided to think about going back to school. I wanted to know more about why uh, humans behave like this and what I could do to help. So I started to um, volunteer for United Cerebral Palsy, and I wound up getting a job offer soon after that as a substitute teacher. Uh, it was a job that I, I couldn't um, I I couldn't really refuse because it was a, in walking distance of my house. Um, I liked the school and I thought it was a great challenge. Uh, being a substitute teacher is the perfect training ground for classroom management. They gave me a couple of classes that uh, nobody could control. And they said, geez, we need somebody to control these classes. And if you show up every day and work it out, um, it'll be a very good thing for you. So I didn't know a thing about classroom management. And I didn't know a thing about teaching. And I proceeded to go into the classroom. A friend of mine, our husband, was also a substitute teacher. And what he did was he told me, You have to have the locus of control. Go into the classroom and know that you are the teacher and they are the students and you are in control and they are the students no matter what, even if you're a sub. The second thing he told me was you have to be creative. You have to come up with ways to engage the students. And at the time he said something about the stock market game. I had no idea uh, about the stock market game, and I didn't know anything about the stock market, but I started making up games, and I started feeling like I was in control and portraying the image of somebody who was in control, and I began to manage the classroom fairly quickly. And when students would write things um, on the attendance sheet, crazy things that high school kids do like dirty words and signing their name with uh, crazy, crazy language, like Mike Hunt. I would just, um, I would just meet them with humor and, and it worked very well. And, and I also had a, I had a look on my face. I looked very tough and I think that really helped. Um, I had a, a punk hairdo and I wore Uh, purple jeans and a purple shirt. And it was very different than than the other teachers. And I, I think, if nothing else, I got attention. So that was my introduction to education and how I started to learn how to manage a classroom. Back then, there was absolutely no formal training. In fact, there was no mentoring. There was nothing. So I, I did what most teachers do. I started to send students to the dean, and, uh, and, and the deans would help me. And one day after about uh, the fourth time I sent a students to a dean, the dean came in and he said to me, I want to talk to you after school. And I went downstairs, and he was a really nice guy. And he said to me, let me give you a little tip. He said, if you want a job here, you want to stay here, you want a permanent job here, you can get it. But you have to stop throwing kids out of the classroom. No matter what, you cannot throw kids out of the classroom. You have to find a way to relate to these kids, and you have to keep them in the classroom. Of course, that stuck in my head. So that was the beginning of how I learned to really start to relate to kids, and manage the classroom, and it wasn't easy. So what I'd like to say to you today is uh, connecting to that locus of control. Most teachers start out the year thinking that they are in control, and yet within a few weeks, they soon find out that they have one or two kids will make them feel as if they do not have any control. Those one or two kids usually start showing their true colors after September, in October, and they start to show signs of wear and tear or confrontation fairly easily. First of all, my first tip to you is that you have the power in the classroom. We're going to talk about sharing power in the classroom, but until you understand that you have the power in the classroom and that you can manage the classroom, you're going to have to um, uh, depend upon other people to take care of your students, and that isn't a good thing. And let's start very succinctly about running down what that means. When I was an assistant principal, a lot of teachers would send students to me, or they would come in complaining about students. And what I learned from being a substitute teacher back in those days was that you have to have all the power in the classroom. The minute that you send your students to the dean or the assistant principal, you depower yourself. Now, that's not to say that if an emergency happens and two students get into a really bad physical fight, that you don't call in for backup. But on a daily basis, you have to take back all the power for yourself. And you can do it. You can empower yourself to run that classroom. No matter what goes on in that classroom, you can handle it. You can absolutely handle it. And this means that you can handle the classroom management in your classroom without any training at all. All it takes is a mindset that you can share and transfer that power in the classroom. When I talk about sharing power and transferring power in the classroom, I'm not talking about power that means the kids are empowered to be out of control. I'm talking about empowering students in a different way and sharing power in a different way. But first, I want to continue to get back to how you can empower yourself in the classroom. The first thing is that classroom management actually takes planning. Planning and thinking and having a philosophy and having an idea, and that has nothing to do with teacher style. Some teachers think that if they are military style, that is bad. Or if they are too soft, that is bad. That has nothing to do with whether or not you can manage a classroom. You can manage a classroom whether you have a military style, whether you have a motherly style or a brotherly style or a moderate style. You can manage a classroom with any of those styles. Teacher style has nothing to do with it. Managing a classroom has more to do with planning, visualizing, and thinking of strategies ahead of time, and knowing how to be consistent. So we're going to talk about this in terms of specifics. So uh, I want to talk about classroom management planning. Teachers wouldn't dare start teaching without a lesson plan. Well, actually, there are those teachers who do dare start teaching without a lesson plan. Well, and when they do, usually they wind up either winging it or um, finding that they run out of time or getting visited by the principal and getting a pop observation, or maybe they're that uh, gifted kind of teacher who can talk off the top of their head. But most teachers plan their lessons and they plan their curriculum and they have activities and most of us know what that means. Rarely do teachers plan classroom management. I learned this little trick when I was a adjunct professor at Manhattanville College. One of the, uh, one of the assignments In one of my courses, the students had to make a classroom management plan. And this was really a genius assignment. And I decided that I would use this assignment in all of the classes that I teach that have to do with behavior management. And the reason that I like this idea is that when you set out to write a classroom management plan, you get to think out not only how you will manage the classroom, but how you will communicate this to others. So let's start with what that means. When you communicate your classroom management plan to the support people who you work with, they understand what your philosophy is. They understand how you uh, want to Uh, run your systems in the classroom, they understand whether you're using rewards and consequences or whether you have a different ladder of discipline in the classroom. When your assistant principal comes to observe you, he or she will understand exactly what you're doing if you share your classroom management plan. Now, it's up to you, but you can also share your classroom management plan with parents, students, and providers in the uh, school learning community. Now, once when I was an assistant principal, we got audited um, by the state or the city, and they were also collecting uh, classroom management plans. I believe this was in a private school, and they wanted to see exactly what your classroom management plan was, and our school had templates. And in the template, they had uh, your um, what you uh, would think of as the rules, the consequences, um, the systems that you used, and uh, how you and the supports and strategies that you would use. So um, when you create a classroom management plan and philosophy and you write it down and have it in a binder book or you post it in your classroom, then everybody is on the same page. Now check this out. If you are able to meet with your grade team teachers and create a classroom management plan together, then the students will get the same message from every single teacher in the grade. Now, check this out further. If you can get on a school committee, a safety committee, or a PBIS committee, and you can lead that committee and get the committee to do an overall school management plan, then the whole school will start to improve in in the, in the culture and in the uh, behavioral outcomes for your school. Now, within your classroom management plan, what should you have? First of all, you can create the template and the outline however you want it to look. But what you should definitely have is the name of your classes or class and uh, the type of students and how you're going to differentiate. For your students. So, if you decide that you're a teacher who's going to develop the rules with your students, you still should have some basic values and underlying philosophies about how you're going to run the classroom. Are you a teacher who's going to share the authority? Uh, are you a teacher who's going to give basic rules or give suggestions of the rules to the students? Or are you a teacher who's just going to list the rules and have the students follow the rules? No one way is right or wrong. You just have to be able to transmit that message to the students. A lot of times teachers have a problem with students because they're inconsistent. They change their mind. They change their mind after a few weeks or they amp it up after the students act out. If you amp it up after the students act out, and I've done this, I've done this at every turn of my career, the students are going to feel that there's, uh, there's a power struggle, they're going to see you as controlling, and maybe this will work for you, but I think sometimes it's probably better to be more consistent from the beginning. So if you can think out what your philosophy is and how, and, and how you want your classroom to be run, That's very important. Are you an environmental classroom manager? In other words, do you create the culture in your your classroom that you want? Do you create a culture of peace? Do you create a culture of collaboration? Are you a teacher who'd rather have the students follow rules and orders? Think about that and transmit that on your classroom management plan. And if you do tell the students exactly what you want, The students should be able to repeat back exactly what that means. And if the students are able to repeat back exactly what that means, that means they'll be exactly ready to follow what you're doing. Now, you may say to yourself, that seems easy, and the students know what I want, but they don't follow it. I I think the classroom management plan has to be even much more specific so that students know if they don't follow exactly what's on there, what will happen, and if there aren't consequences, how are you going to follow it up with, with students? If there aren't consequences, and classroom management plans do not have to have consequences, but there must be a way for students to reflect on their behavior. That's a classroom management plan must. If students, uh, for example, call out, there's nothing wrong with saying to the students, uh, let's talk about this and how it affects the community. Or you can be the type of teacher to enact a consequence instead. You might keep the reflective uh, part of teaching for academics only, but you have to make it clear to the students. Now, whether or not you should keep your classroom management simple is up to you, but I think it should be fairly simple and fairly straightforward so that if you had a paraprofessional in your classroom, they would know exactly what to do. So for this episode, I would like you to think. I would like you to think of the perfect template for your classroom management plan, a written template. Once you design the written template, what should you have on it? You should have the philosophy, your teaching style, and you should probably have whether or not you're going to use consequences and rewards or whether you're going to use a reflective style of classroom management. What is the difference? Using consequences and rewards will uh, be a more traditional type of classroom management plan. Using reflective uh, teaching and reflective classroom management will fall into the category of restorative practices or positive discipline. And we'll talk about those in future episodes. But for now, I want you to think about what type of teacher you are and how you would like to Begin on the journey of creating your classroom management plan. So as we wrap up, I'd like you to think about how you can start reflecting and thinking about having the power in your classroom and empowering yourself. I want you to think about how you can be successful as a teacher who manages your classroom on a daily basis. That is not to say that you don't run into uh, misbehavior. Students will misbehave. Students will um, definitely act out. But when students act out, both the teacher and the students have to learn from it. And that's what we're going to hit upon on this episode, that you can empower yourself to run the classroom, make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, and have your students learn from the mistakes. And later on in future podcasts, we'll talk about transferring power and sharing power and creating a culture where teachers and students empower each other and learn from each other and grow with each other. So my name is Liz Klein, and I am a classroom management expert, and I enjoyed sharing this podcast with you. So stay tuned for more podcasts from Cultivating Classroom Management.